Welcome, Welcome to, to another, another episode of Driving, Driving to, to the, the Res. Res with your favorite hosts, Larry and Inelia. Super. Yeah. I feel comfortable about our intro now. I felt that that intro was absolutely fabulous. Kind of like calmed into it. Yes. Almost like we'd practiced it before. Well, we've practiced a lot of not ways to do it. Yeah. I think we've practiced it like a hundred, over a hundred times now. Hmm. Mm. We when went we to gonna... our 100 episode some time ago. Yeah. 100 weeks? Yeah. That's two years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's saying something, huh? I know. How often have you say, can you say I did the did something for two years every week and yeah. I didn't miss a week? We didn't. I don't think we did. Even no. our sick week, we still managed somehow, right? I know. Because we had something record, else recorded. Something recorded for it, yeah. We were thinking ahead. I know. Somebody and was. <laughs> Maybe not us. We don't else. call it our sick week. What do we call it? Our recuperation week. Recuperation? Remedy? Remedy. No. No. A health response. A health Detoxification? Flush. A health flush. Yes, a health flush. A flush. Detoxification. A detox. Yes. A detox experience. I was thinking about that, actually, because... Um, I was thinking about that and what to call it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, for example, one of the things that I remember growing up was that anytime any of my siblings or I got sick, this was what we call it at the time, mm-hmm. um, we had to go to bed and we had a fever and all that type of stuff. And then we would get up and we needed new clothes because we'd grown. Yeah, because you grow at night. You grow and you're sleeping good. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. I wondered. I thought it was maybe that the body was transforming from one shape to another, had to get rid of all the old stuff. Like, a, I don't know. That's got the possibility, or just by being flat, and you like squish out bigger. And when you're standing up, it's like squashed down, so it gets short. It's like, all oh, it's built up, built up. You lay down, it goes, oh, yeah. Maybe. Anyways, today we're going to talk about... What we're talking about. Oh, I thought those other topics that you have thinking about were more interesting. Well, yeah, they are. But I also think this is somewhat somewhat interesting to come up with a new word besides sick. I'm sick this week. Mm. Sick is a word that means, you know... A victimish kind of? Mm, victimish, but more like um, it's attached to all of the cure stuff. Negative you know? I'm stuff. I'm sick, too. so I need cured. And if instead we were to consider it I'm flushing, mm-hmm. detoxing... Uh, my body is uh, eliminating toxins. What what might we think about you do with it? You might figure out how you support it while it flushes. So maybe speed up the flush, slow down the flush, maybe um, support the fact that you're flushing and the better things to do while you're flushing are... Sleeping. Sleeping, resting, drinking allowing, water. drinking water. Uh, yeah. Liquids. Um, supporting your body through the process. Soup. Soup. Sure. Maybe not ingesting more toxin. Yes, that would you be know, a good idea. Some things like that. And uh, normally when you're sick, you think about a cure, how to stop the flushing. Yes. How do I, I take an aspirin to stop the pain? I take a, a Theraflu to stop the um, discomfort. But yeah. totally, it's so uncomfortable, I can't handle it no more and make it stop. And yeah. This to stop the fever and this to uh, stop me from throwing up and this to stop me from having the runs or whatever. And then you keep all the toxins inside your body, right? Right. So you don't finish your flush, but also, you know, be aware of... Dehydration. Dehydration. Dehydration can kill you. Definitely can. That's, I think, what most people do end up exiting from. Yeah, dehydration. Yeah. Or sometimes not being able to breathe. I have some of those. Mm -hmm. I died of pneumonia when I was seven. It has to do with inflammation, remember? Mm-hmm. Inflammation you know, also. You know, the Machi saved my life. And mm-hmm. one of the weird things that I remember from her, well, she brought me back into my body and then she gave us some uh, medicine. And the interesting thing about that medicine that I thought was very interesting was that I had to drink boiled milk, boiled with garlic and blueberries. Really? Yeah. And... And it was absolutely gross, and it would cause my lungs to fill up again every time, and that's what it was for. She said you need to get the lungs to flush, and so you don't try to suppress the coughing and the, you know, getting off all the the stuff. Yeah, so by making more of it, then the bad stuff that was stuck there would come out, because the stuff that the milk would generate was new. 
Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, when you change the word, you change the thought, you change what you're doing. Yeah. And she saved my life. Mm-hmm. But of course, she arrived at the ha- the my grandma didn't want any Indians coming to help, right? So she resisted it until I actually died. <laughs> and then she's like my granduncle said, "You know, you've nothing to lose. She's already gone, so let's just bring her." And that's why they brought her. <laughs> nothing to lose. Yeah. You already gotta know. You already gotta know. Why don't you bless it? And then she's okay, but it's ridiculous and pathetic and blah, blah. And then when she brought me back, she was like totally in shock. My grandma was in total shock. Yeah. And she did the medicine. I still remember it to this day because it, it's absolutely gross. It's <laughs> <laughs> the worst, huh? And I had to drink. She would force me to drink it every few hours, night and day. Well, it kind of feels to me like the, uh, the flushing of toxins process is one of those uncomfortable processes that once you start it, it's kind of hard to stop it until you're done. And by stopping it, it's very, very not the right thing to do. It's mm-hmm. like if you're having your baby, once you start having your baby, you halfway through it, you can't you just can't say, ah, I don't want to do it no more. I'm done. <laughs> Put him back. You're pretty much committed. <laughs> you're done. pretty much committed. Yeah. Yeah. And so stopping it is going to create disaster. Yeah. And that's basically what stopping your body from flushing toxins mm-hmm. creates. It just kicks, kicks that disaster down the down the line yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But when <clears> I was seven, <throat> I died of it, and also I lost half of one of my lungs. Right, but so. that's a lot of toxins. But I don't know a lot of toxins. Yeah, you had how many shots? At Trillion, seven, bu- bunches yeah, of shots. Probably, yeah. And but I was also emotionally you were in a completely, completely dysfunctional emotional yes, state. State. Yeah. Really, really bad. Really bad. And those things are just as important. Yeah, yeah. And the treatment wasn't right. I don't know what they were giving me, but it wasn't good. Probably aspirin or something. Yeah, it was probably things to stop. So your body's fighting mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Now, it is possible to take something that stops your side. It stops your flush. Yeah. I mean, that's what medicine, with a quote-unquote, is supposed to do, is stop your you know, um, symptoms. But, yeah. But... It's just looking at it the wrong way. I think so, but you really have to manage it really, really well. Yeah. When when we got the flushing a few weeks ago that we're talking about right now, yeah. I know that each of us got what we could handle, but also it was like one of those things that I could feel when we were getting too dehydrated and it was like, no, 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 we need to ingest more water, right? Mm-hmm. We need to ingest more water. And, I mean, if it got worse, I know there's methods, right? Uh, you can go to the doctors and they have to do what you tell them, not what they think they should do. They always ask you for permission mm-hmm. and you have to sign for a new treatment. And I thought, well, if it, this gets worse, I'm going to go to the hospital and get, um, um, what's it IV. called? IV fluids, mm-hmm. right? To get hydrated. And then you told us about your experience of when you had a really, really bad, Flush ones like a really extreme flush. How about we call it an extreme flushing? Extreme. Yeah, I I had an extreme flushing, and I mean it wasn't super extreme. It was just it was flushing. And instead of resting, you worked. I worked, and I worked hard. We were fishing, and I took drugs to suppress the symptoms Mm. so that I could continue to work, and I didn't uh, hydrate at all Mm. or eat, and so you know because I was sick. So well. I wasn't sick, I was flushing. You were flushing, sorry. <laughs> it's so easy <laughs> it's so to fall back to the old vocabulary. Get, right. But in the middle of a flushing, I went to work anyway, and I suppressed the flushing, and I didn't hydrate, and I didn't eat. I did everything opposite of what you probably should do. Right. And after two days of doing the opposite of what you should do, including not getting any rest, mm-hmm. I was done. I was like, I can't get up to move the bow. I can't get out of bed. Somebody else had to drive the boat home, and then... I went to the clinic. Did they take you in an ambulance? No. No, because I'm a fisherman for crying out loud. <laughs> get in the truck. Update you. Kid. We're going to get in the truck and drive to the clinic. We don't call that a little ambulance. Give me a break. <clears throat> and then when I got drugged into the clinic, they saw me and they just immediately put me on an IV. And then two bags of IV, three bags of IV, I had great. to go pee. Yeah. And I was fixed. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Home, yeah. I think a lot of those... Symptoms and there's discomfort from dehydration. I do too. Yeah. I remember when 
my babies were small. I remember one particular instance when Daniela, she was um, two and she had the worst fever and she was puking and she was um, like high fever and I was desperate and I called the doctor and it was, one, it was a, a time of the world when doctors came to your house. He arrived to my house and he took a look at her and he says, um, he looked at me and he said, uh, first baby? And I said, yeah. <laughs> um, I think she was actually, oh yeah, yeah, she, it wasn't Ireland, then, uh, it was England. And I said, yeah. And he said, he, he looked at me and it was, it was England. He said, you know, um, is she still like this in three days? Call me. I said, three days? He says, yeah, three days. And what do I do now? You give her plenty of liquids. If she vomits them, just let her sip the liquids. Uh, pinch her skin. If it stays up, you call me. Or if it's just there's like this in three days, you call me. And you're just going to leave? <laughs> what about medicine? Nope, don't give her anything. This, you know, she needs to burn it out. And she le he left. And I was like, it's cursing. Shocked, huh? I need then, to have some antibiotics. I need no, some. No, 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 no. Well, I, knew then, I know what you're saying. I but. knew that antibiotics were really, really bad. I didn't want any of that. But I was still shocked mm -hmm. that he would just leave me with my two-year-old in a high fever and call me in three days, right? And I stayed by her and I would pinch her hand, continuously pinch her hands <laughs> to make sure the skin was bouncing back. Check mine. Okay. Oh, yeah. Can't even pinch it. <laughs> You're totally hydrated. But remember when you were flushing? <laughs> yeah, it was it's like, sticking up. It was sticking up and yeah. it stayed up. I was like, oh, geez, I really need to get some <laughs> water, honey. I can't can't believe how dehydrated yeah. I am. Anyways, she got better in a day and a half or two days, so I never got to call him. Ah, your skin's good, too. You're completely yeah. hydrated, honey. I never had to call him back. Yeah. And I was shocked. I thought, wow, that's incredible, right? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So nowadays, of course, it's different, right? So yeah, well, nowadays we kind of are trained to believe that for we're, babies, aspirin for babies, yeah, all sorts of anything baby stuff. the sign of anything, give them some of this. Yeah, we're yeah. kind of trained to believe any form of discomfort needs to be eliminated Fixed. immediately. Yeah. and you know, honestly, it's not comfortable to flush toxins. It isn't. No. So they've. A pound of mm -hmm. prevention is, or an ounce of prevention and a pound of cure. Remember her in that before? Yeah, yeah. So if you ingest or you're exposed to less toxins, then right. you probably don't have to flush quite so hard, huh? Right, right. So slamming and, a Twinkie is not that great of an idea because you're going to no. be paying later. And, and just to make sure for anybody out there on the road or something, this is not medical advice. We would never do that. Okay. You continue doing what your doctor tells you. Mm -mm -mm. And, um, yeah, everybody who's listening to us will have to be sovereign over their own opinions around health and what to do when they're sick or their children are sick. I'm just giving information about what we experienced and what the, my baby, the, my baby's doctor said when he came to visit when she was two. Mm -hmm. And she's like, 30 something right now I'm not going to give you her age <laughs> um, so you know um, any bots that think that we're giving medical advice are wrong we would never do that but because I people would are say, sovereign I would say though pick your Hydrate. doctor wisely yes absolutely yeah pick your doctor wisely don't just and, pick whatever doctor they give you right and question and look and see how yeah. things feel and get multiple make opinions make sure that it doesn't matter I mean I know that it's not medical advice, but it's, we know that we've been taught in school that if you stop drinking water, you're going to die within three days. Right? I remember reading some stuff about my son. He's, you know, a college football player, and they have a tendency to get injured. Mm -hmm. And when they're injured, they have protocols around how to treat their injuries, you know. Yeah. And I remember reading about the inflammation of their joints or whatever that got injured. They get inflamed, and so they can have this certain process of therapies which reduces inflammation mm -hmm. and there's the other one that said but you know we checked outcomes and inflammation was a good thing mm -hmm. because first of all the pain meant you didn't more injure it mm -hmm. the inflammation was pulling away the dead tissues and mm -hmm. injured in stuff 
And then if they allowed it to go through its natural process, then your outcome was better and you know, quicker. Remember that uh, documentary that showed there was an old lady who was allergic to bees. And she, I don't know how it happened. And she was, she had arthritis in her entire body. She was very disabled with arthritis. I don't know how it happened. And I don't know. She was in a picnic or with her family, whatever. She managed to get herself walked into a beehive. And she was, they, there was somebody filming there. And they filmed her covered from head to toe with bees. And she was trying to walk away, trying to run away. And then she collapses on the floor and they take her to hospital. They give her one of those, um, what are those called? EpiPen things? EpiPens, yeah. Epinephrines or something. Yeah. And then when she recovered after a few days in hospital, she came out of the hospital without arthritis. You want to know something interesting? No, I don't remember that. But I do remember just last week or two weeks ago, I was listening to Dr. Cowan talking on his, talking with, talking turkey with Dr. Cowan kind of thing. Yeah. He does that so that I think the YouTube guys don't care. Yeah. Because they're just talking turkey. Yeah, they're talking turkey. Yeah. We're going to call it... They're gobble We're going to call this one Driving to the Rares, Talking Turkey. Talking Turkey on the Rares. Yeah, Talking anyway, Turkey on the Rares. somebody asked about their arthritis, and he said, you know, strangely enough, one of the cures for arthritis in the old books is a bee sting, because the bee sting causes inflammation, and the inflammation pulls out the things in your joints that were creating the pain mm. which were something like proteins or something that got yeah. stuck in there nice. it created inflammation to flush out the stuff and then after the bee stings de-swells, de-inflames or inflammation is gone, your arthritis is gone too. Wow, it reminds me of the the cure that, that Machi gave me mm-hmm. it kind of is the same the mil- milk produces mucus mm-hmm. like inflammation right so like a toxin maybe I don't know what it is, but it causes... <laughs> no, I don't know why like it causes it, mucus, but it does. Yeah. And then the garlic, I don't know why she put garlic in there. Um, garlic has that uh, antibacterial thing, right? So if there is any nasty bacteria stuck with your lungs because you can't flush them, it's going to deal with that, I'm thinking, maybe? I don't think so, no. no. I think you went sideways on that one, honey. Okay. What about the blueberries? So many blueberries in it. For vitamin C, probably, huh? Is that oxidants? I believe blueberries has something in that, so the antioxidant. Well, that's, I remember the cure, man. And it cured me. Blueberries, garlic, and milk. Yeah, boiled. Boiled together. So gross. Oh my God, it was so gross. Well, there's a synergy between all three of those that's not commonly encountered (laughs) because nobody uses it. Every time I drank the glass that I had to drink, (laughs) I would cough. Mm, so much yeah and it was effective coffee it wasn't that nasty you know like breathless ineffective coffee wasn't that one it was rather yeah the phlegm well the milk makes phlegm the phlegm goes in your is in your lungs that's something for you to cough up so it grabs stuff with it okay so it's not so your lungs were like dried yeah Yeah. and then the blueberry and the garlic you know boiled together in milk it's it's probably you know it's like it might have, we can only speculate because we don't know what boiled garlic and blueberries and milk actually creates we can synergistically. Speculate, yeah, we do know that maybe, we tomatoes <laughs> and olive oil cooked together makes a delicious thing. <laughs> That's good for you in spaghetti. Mm-hmm. But blueberries and garlic and milk. Ooh, I like to talk about our spaghetti today. Can if, I? Yes. It's related. Okay, it's, okay. it's actually related. Okay, I'm ready for it. Okay. So. Last night. Yes, last night. Oh, I should say, today at lunchtime, we have our Sunday dinner. Yeah. I was absolutely starving, like I hadn't eaten in days. Me too. Even though we had like some snacks for lunch, for Uh breakfast, uh right? I had a sandwich for breakfast. I was still starving. I haven't had that much (laughs) hungry for a long time because we eat really well every day you make sure anyways uh, last night when we were going to bed I had the information and knowledge that there was going to be this very specific group of aliens mm-hmm. who were going to uh, take you for a visit and many other individuals in the area for a visit. Right. I remember you told me that. I was like, ooh, yeah. really? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. 
And I remember I had a few questions about that, but can I ask my questions? Sure. The first question was, if I stay awake, will they not be able to bring me up for a visit? Uh, You might try to stay awake, but you will need to get your body to go to sleep in order to do the, the transport without panic. So it's a little bit like Santa Claus. You can try and stay awake as long as you want, but eventually you're going to pass out. Yes. And then it'll happen. Yes, it'll happen. Yeah. Right. And the other question that I didn't ask, but I thought about seriously, was if I'm not wearing any clothes in bed, will I be naked in on the ship? the ship? Yes, it's an actual physical visit. Yeah. So I'm really glad you put your skivvies on. Yes. That was one of the main <laughs> reasons I made sure to wear clean skivvies and take a shower in the whole nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I can tell you other people that live in the area do not put on skivvies to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and those are which I will never be able to get rid of. <laughs> because what happened is I never go, I, well, I can't say never, but I don't go there physically, um, usually to these visits. And last night I kind of was invited and I said yes. So I'll go with them. So I did. I went with everybody. And we had a pretty fabulous experience. And one of the experiences, like, time there is kind of different. So it felt like we were there for many, like, 20 hours or something. I know. It felt like a long yeah. visit. And I often, was... and a lot of the other people went for naps, right? Because it's a very, very high-frequency energy of remembrance. And it's beautiful. And it's almost like a, what was the hobby called? A recharging of yeah. the batteries. Yeah. And um, so part of that is just laying there sleeping, right? Resting. But yeah, you don't get any other type of food. Um, and you didn't actually go for a nap, which you I think normally you do take a nap there. Probably, yeah. And you didn't. And um, and I remember it was 8 o'clock this morning, our alarm was going off, and you were snoring like it was 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, really hard. And... Um, and anyways, yeah, so um, we were really hungry today. Very hungry today. I scarfed a giant plate. I know. Giant plate. We scarfed it all the way it. to the last bite and then yeah. took some more noodles. Yeah. Wow. No, yeah. I didn't take any more, but Jesus. And yeah. then I had dessert cake. So the spaghetti. It was spaghetti. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. I remember waking up thinking, I want spaghetti today, and that's exactly what you offered. It was awesome. Excellent. Yeah, I rem- if you're curious about any of this in our second hour which you can get on subscribe store or with walk with me now. Yes. We go into a regression experience. First show, second show, third show, somewhere around there. I think yeah, there's even the, a recording of an, an entire regression. actual regression to, to that ship, to that ship with yeah. those beings yeah. and myself. Mm-hmm. And Anelia didn't go that time, No. but this time was last night and last night she did go. So yes. of course I didn't take a nap because I had a show around the ship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what do you think about my ship? Well, I thought I, it was our ship. Our right? ship. Yeah. Not I mean, mine, but... Yeah, yeah it's, it's not, not physically my ship, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, what do you think about my ship, like my boat? Right. Because I'm working on... I'm one of the members of the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about my ship? It was really fascinating, very interesting. I suspect, actually, that might tie up with last week's as well, that it might be the moon. But I'm not 100% sure. I haven't truthed it completely because it's so new. But it felt like it was massive and it was separated into pods, uh, like spaces. Mm-hmm. And each pod space had people that are from that species working with people who are born here on Earth. And there's groups like 20, 30 people, maybe per group, maybe 40. I don't know. I didn't look at many groups. Mm-hmm. And there's other places as well. And some of our listeners might recognize this or feel into it like they recognize it. And there were some really, really large um, rooms where there were like 100 to 100, maybe even up to 500, even 1,000 people in one of these rooms. And one of the interesting aspects of it is that it had different like levels of sitting areas. So you could be like really high up near the roof or, you know, the ceiling or right near the floor. And it's like all over and people were just sitting around laughing and chatting. And it was like an air, a thing about 
the uh, they they were getting instructions, mm. and I don't know if it's instruction in the learning type dynamic of the word instruction, mm-hmm. or whether they were getting instructions on what every, or the making decisions about what was gonna they're gonna be doing next. There was also areas that where little children, like six year olds, were um, in a kind of classroom setting, not all looking at one wall, but I guess some of them would interpret it that way if that's what the schooling they go to in, on Earth would be. But it was more to do with like this really gentle energy and the beings that were uh, showing them and teaching them things. They looked very human. They had hair on their head and maybe wigs, you know. Mm-hmm. But they looked very human so that the kids were, they were happy. The kids were happy and thought it was normal. And then the one that I found very funny was like, a, a, like an, uh, one of the rooms, they had teenagers in it. Mm-hmm. What, what I found f- funny is that they were all talking with their voices. In the other rooms, a lot of the stuff was experiential telepathy. But in the teenager groups, they were talking with their voice. <laughs> and it's almost like a rejection of the experiential telepathy. Yeah, it's like, almost like a uh, rebellious teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's quite funny. Not all of them, but, you a know, a, 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 few a good majority, actually. Yeah, a, a good majority of them, actually. And um, the other ones mostly were the groups of adults, and those were there, um, I didn't, apart from the large groups where there'd be adults to receive instruction or information, or even learning stuff, the smaller groups, the 30 to 50 people, 20 people, they felt more like they were there to get uh, those batteries recharged and whatever technology tuned in. And and I think that the drive, like, because of what I've seen in this group and the indiv- other individuals who have been there, it feels like the drive right now during the split is for everybody who is part of that collective to start being able to connect directly to that frequency that is the natural state of the people who go there every not every night because it's very rare that they go out actually and start remembering it and like you said it's like the technology that you feel you have in your bodies to um, be able to remind you or connect with a higher frequency through the fog which the fog being the black dark paradigm and all the chicken scratches Right. Yeah, the fog that we exist on the planet mm-hmm. that's co-created by all the others on the planet that are light, dark, um, paradigm co-creators, right? Yeah. They're making the fog. Yeah. The fog is is everything, everywhere. It's the entire co-creation is fog. Mm-hmm. And to create a new um, paradigm, you have to create something that's not the fog. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the fog, all you can see is fog. Yeah, yeah. So you literally almost can't create the new because even... Even trying to do that, you incorporate the old paradigm mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. and that just creates more of the old paradigm, maybe with a little bit of new paradigm sauce. Mm. But it's still old, old paradigm. So you're almost literally stuck without some way of like having a remember those solar tubes that goes into this roof and it brings sunshine in and yeah. it makes light. You almost yeah. need some way of channeling in a pure state or channeling into a pure state of what that um, light reality is just to be able to embody it enough to project it just enough so that's like you even got the taste of it yeah so having visits is re-exposure realignment re oh yeah that's this it's this it's this it's this and remember 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 and then try and bring that back with you Mm -hmm. and we've been trying so many ways to bring it back oh my god Remember one of our friends, we did the hair backwards thing, right? Yes. She said uh, she had been doing and noticing these things in her life oh, for a long time. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. And, but she never made the connection, right? She actually, the word she used is like, where was I last night? Where was I like last that. night? <laughs> where did I call last night? <laughs> yeah. 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 Where have I been or something like that? I can't remember something the exact like words, that. but it was something like that. And I think she's one of the instigators, one of the people who are very creative in bringing that that knowledge that I was somewhere. 
Yep. That wasn't my bed last night. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you did something funny last night. You went to bed without skivvies. Uh-huh. And then at one o'clock or something, you got up to put skivvies on because you knew they were coming. <laughs> yes, I knew they were coming and I wanted, to, I didn't want to come up. I didn't want to be showing you around the ship naked, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a ship full of nudists in a sense, but. <laughs> no, everybody was nude now. <laughs> I was wondering why you went to bed with all of your clothes on. <laughs> like, honey. <laughs> Why are you dressed in bed? <laughs> well, I didn't have my day clothes on. I had PJs on. Yeah, so but, you know, you don't always wear a full really, load no. of top and bottom right, and no, underwear and a whole nine hours. Like, yeah, I don't like wearing any PJs, actually. But. Yeah. I couldn't figure it out, but that's, I didn't. It's, it's, it's the nature of the experience. You don't even put the pieces that are obvious together. It's like, why are you all dressed? Oh, duh, we're going on a ship tonight. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to be dressed in clothes while you guys will be walking around naked. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you got up at one o'clock in the morning to put yes, skivvies on? Yes, I did, yes. Yeah. I got up because I had a feeling it's time and I wanted to be dressed for it. <laughs> but That's I didn't want to put all my clothes on no. for it. Underwear is more than enough clothes for that ship. Yeah. yeah. It's warm. Mm-hmm. It's warm. That's funny. Yeah, what's also funny in, in a sense is... The interpretations that we, in the fog, which are color fog, of things that we see up on the ship that we then bring back, we interpret them kind of sideways sometimes. You know, that's, yeah. that's one of the, one of the problems with trying to explain things is even something you see, you interpret it a certain way. Like when we got to the ship, they, words I, I would use to describe, they bowed down and prostrated themselves in in reverence for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean to most people? They look at that, someone walks in, and then the, um, I don't know, the worshippers all go prostrate themselves, and it's like submission in the ultimate in a way, you know. Or it's um, respect, or it's, um, there's like 10 different words that can use most of them implying they're, you're in the presence of a power much greater than you. That can be an interpretation, but it's not, it's not really. Another uh, interpretation accurate. could be you're in subservience to something or a power greater than you. Mm-hmm. That could be another one. Most, most of them are power, greater power than you. People things. who do that, yeah. Yeah. They're not, uh, like you go to the, meet the Queen of England, you're supposed to like kneel or bow or something, aren't mm-hmm. you? Or if you see the Emperor of China, of Japan or China, you're supposed to like not look at them in the eyes and you can only shuffle in with your head down or whatever like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's similar, right? Not similar, uh-huh. not similar to the experience that was going on with you, but it's a similar shaped mm-hmm. experience. In other words, the bodies it might are appear bowed. to be the same. It appears to be the same. And yeah. so whatever that is, the tendency for us in the fog is to say it's like that. Yeah. But in fact, it was something completely different. Yes, completely different. Adoration, maybe. Reverence. Um, it's almost like a pause in the activities and just allowance to, allowance. Res- to be a different state of awareness for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah, like in a theta state, meditative state, a different altered, a different state of being. Yeah. The normal one that you're interacting with fog beings, us, we're all foggy. Yeah. First we show up to the ship, what? Terrified. Terrified and and physical body screaming. Violent and fighting and or, yeah. or terrified and withdrawn and. Yeah. All low frequency responses. Yeah. And so, uh, when you came out the ship with me, you weren't terrified at all. No. And you were, mm, without being, I don't know the word, I could say we're just for a word, burdened by the combined light-dark singularity, I mean myself, bubble of earth, high-dark, low-frequency people. I mean, that's going to have an effect on your being, how you feel, how you express a little bit. Only if I indulge in it myself. If I don't indulge in it, it doesn't affect me at all. 
Well, on the ship outside that bubble entirely, it's probably probably was easier refreshing. and freer to come come forth. Well, it was it was nice. It was refreshing. It was nice. Nice. You know? Yeah. So pleasant. Anyone that's had or sat or been around you in an event or uh, in a meditation or physically met you, oftentimes they see, well, they see what they need to see, but they also have an experience that's not like I just met Ted. Well, some people do. Some people some say, people I just felt met nothing. Ted. It's like met, I met Ted, yeah. Not anyone I've ever talked to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've met people who say that, yeah. Yeah, I feel nothing. I see nothing. I don't know why I'm here. I guess they're masters of separation. <laughs> I don't judge them, actually, because I know that their higher self will allow them to have the experience that they need and want at that moment, and are, it's in accordance to their co-created uh, choices for life. So I don't judge it at all. I don't judge whoever sees the Divine Mother. I don't judge the person who sees nothing at all. I don't judge the person who sees a demon. I don't judge any of them or any of that. Based on their response, were you, are you, you're able to sometimes get an idea of what they're seeing. Like the... Um, did you have a feeling for what they were experiencing? Yeah, because they're experts at, um, well, the way they communicate experiential telepathy. So I was able to um, become one with them, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how would, you, how would you describe the experience they had? I would describe it as a unification, a joy. It's almost like meeting an old friend that you haven't seen for a very long time. Um, there was a lot of love, a lot of light, a lot of like happiness, happy, happy, happy feeling, like insanely happy. So in some senses, I would say that the pose resembled something physically seen on earth and usually in the cases of a, um, a power of like a king or a queen or a super supreme leader or a uh, religious figure or a god or something like that, that resembled the same physical appearance, but the um, the guys on, gals on, or they're not guys or gals, are they? No. They don't have a sex. No. Not a male-female sex. No. The people on the ship mm -hmm. were in what could be considered a, bliss state or a meditative state or a, that naturally their bodies in its most comfortable state would be like that would look something like something like else that. to somebody yeah, it's, a, it's a communication for sure and I, I, I suspect that that position of the body's communication has been hijacked by power over others people yeah. to mean something completely and utterly different like sick or flushing. Yeah, but that position... But even more different. Yeah, because that position usually people interpret of, or they tell you, you have to do it because you're below me. Yes. Or, right, you know, the king says you're below me, so you may, you, you you have may to bow your head now. You may and bow yeah. and all that. Or the, the, the guru or the, the priest or the monk or the right. lama is like, I'm more enlightened than you, so you have to uh, bow Be before subservient me. And subservient and put your hands together in prayer towards me, whatever. So, you know, that has mm -hmm. been hijacked. It's not the real, true feeling or meaning or re reasons for doing that action with your body. Remember, I was doing this as an example with a friend. And I just happened to be pointing in his direction. And yeah. he was overwhelmed with love and projection of authority and everything else. Yeah. And he thought it was the most beautiful thing that ever happened to his life. And he started life. giggling. He couldn't yeah. stop. And he was like, what? what? <laughs> because it was all I, me, and myself and projection. Right. Right. Because that wasn't at all. But that was like an example, right? That's mm -hmm. a great example of how this can be misinterpreted. Right. And when I you're think in separation. When you're in separation. But if you're, you're not in separation... It cannot possibly be misinterpreted or or seen as anything but that joining in 
in in source energy to joy like love oneness or whatever you want to call it that's excellent excellent uh information mm-hmm. it's why did you feel i need to share that particular point of data in our podcast well it's related to the interpreting what's a high frequency experience on planet in a light dark reality how to bring in new paradigm how to interpret what you're seeing even though you're seeing something and you know what it is you're actually seeing something and interpreting it as being something that it isn't most times mm-hmm. so you have to be um super aware expand your awareness really 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 pause when you're seeing something to make sure you're actually you know mm-hmm. um seeing and interpreting what you're seeing correctly, right? So another example of this, which also came from Dr. Cohen's thing and also has to do with flushing, mm-hmm. was uh, Koch's postulates. You've heard of that? No. Koch's postulates are how you determine an infectious agent, for example. You have a particle from a sick person in their body, and you isolate it and purify it so that you only have a vial of that particle. Mm-hmm. And you take that particle and you... Give it to another person who inhales it or eats it or somehow gets it in their body, maybe their mm-hmm. eye. Not injected though, because injected, nobody likes... Nature is not, and it doesn't inject. I mean, occasionally you get a sliver, maybe yeah. you can put on a sliver. Maybe but... a mosquito might bite you, inject yeah, things right in the way. A rose bush. Rose bush. Yeah. Well, basically, another person gets that particle in them yeah. through a normal method and gets sick. Yeah. And it gets the same sick that the other person had that had the particles to begin with. That's a postulate. Right. And that person's fluids, you can also find that particle. Mm-hmm. Then you've satisfied Koch's postulates. So Koch, okay. Koch's postulates was, uh, I think, used to... What was that one shot that we got that made the little dimple and everybody had to look at uh, the Measles, I think. Measles? No, was it? Mm, Remember so. the one that makes a little pock on your arm? Yeah, so small so pock, some kind of oh, a pox. Oh, small pox, yeah. It's pox. Yeah. Oh, some kind of thing. Yeah, Anyways, pox. it was Koch's experiment with guinea pigs, apparently, that determined the infectious nature of whatever this was. And so he had guinea pigs that he had put into a pen and mistreated, mm-hmm. treated very poorly, poisoned in some way or whatever. And in three weeks, they got this pox stuff. And he put another guinea pig in there. And after three weeks of mistreating it while it was in the pen with the other one, it also got sick. <laughs> so the cause of it getting sick, of course, was the other guinea pig. Right. And that proves it. Okay. But it's like the what he saw and his interpretations, right now we will look at that and say, what are you, abs- that's absurd. <laughs> Nobody would co- draw that conclusion. We would all draw the conclusion that You're not looking at both of the guinea pigs. guinea pigs got sick because of the way you treated them, not because right. you put one in with a sick one. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But at the time, with the level of awareness that existed at the time, maybe, mm-hmm. that seemed like a perfectly reasonable conclusion. Yeah. And 100, 200 years later, we're still basing our decisions and our choices and our description of what's happening based on that observation 200 years ago. Okay, so let's ra- let's roll over the whole victim aggressor shit, right? Okay, of ignoring or you know, here's the stupidity, and then we still copying it, whatever's. And let's look at it from the perspective of this is a human collective choice, right? For to have certain experiences on the planet at a certain time, including what's happening today. Mm-hmm. If you had had a different postulate that actually identified that mistreating a guinea pig in a little cage is going to make it sick. So take the guinea pig out of that little cage, put it in a nicer environment, right, with with friends because their mammals are social. Um, maybe. I don't know if the yeah. guinea pigs are social or not. I think they, they might not be. <laughs> but anyways, um, and then that postulate would have created a society that treats... Um, our whole environmental of sickness and health in a different way, um, then the the way in which people are choosing to either leave or stay in the high-frequency paradigm on Earth or continue with the normal everyday life that they are accustomed to 
where they have light dark experiences you you wouldn't have been able to make this particular choice that people are doing today that we can't talk about in the first hour right well i'm not talking about it i'm talking about the interpretation of what you see yeah exactly that's what i'm saying so it, if we had interpreted it differently as a human collective it, we wouldn't be able to make choices right now that are like the ones that we're making during due to that postulate a the mechanism and B for, doesn't go to C the mechanism for the carrying out the split wouldn't work is that what you're saying right that we're choosing right now okay but at the same time you know maybe it was plan B right because plan A was that everybody on the planet was going to expand their awareness ascend in frequency and everyone on the planet, including all the animals and trees and everything else, it, definitely all the people, were going to become of a higher frequency and expanded awareness. And then we become universal creatures that can travel the universe. But in 2011, that decision was revoked. And only a section of the population is now going to do that. So... Maybe it was planned in case that happened. <laughs> well, that wouldn't have been relevant and it didn't matter, right? Whatever postulates people did that were wrong and you, what you saw it wasn't properly interpreted. Well, it's, it's a, in the case of Koch's postulates, for example, they, they haven't been using them anyway because viruses are something that they haven't been able to pick them out of a people's fluids and then give them to somebody and they got sick. Mm -hmm. So they kind of didn't, they kind of, a, um, dropped them anyway and they made a modified version of Koch's postulates but the point isn't so much what that was the point is is that so much of our current reality is based on things we saw and misinterpreted and from that misinterpretation carried on decades even hundreds of years like i was saying before what matter what matters what i'm saying is what why why is this why relevant? does it matter what is irrelevant yeah. is what is relevant is and you asked the specific question why did i ask about this because by all appearances, you would interpret the space guy's action as um, you're more powerful than them and subservient to no, you. I would never think that. And things like I'm saying other people. Oh, but other people were not there. There were plenty of people there. <laughs> they didn't interpret it that way. They understood what was happening. If we talk about it and everyone listening isn't going to interpret it all the same way. So what I'm saying is that watch Normally, your interpretations yeah. of the things that you see and yes. be aware that they may not be or mean the things that you are automatically think they mean. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. And there's lots of examples of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So here's another example. Okay. And maybe you Go can clear it. this one up. Go for it. <laughs> What's your other example? A one-world government. Good thing or bad thing? Patriotism and nationalism. A good thing or a bad thing? Is that it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Was there anything else to it? Well, it's like we can say things like um, Russia is a bad country. And we can say things like New World Order. Um, that'll mean there's only one government. One government can have a fight with itself, so there won't be any war. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? About what? Either one of those things. There's chicken scratches. I, I don't really think about them very much. There's just distractions. Light workers and dark workers. What about them? What do you think about that? About light workers and dark workers? Yeah. Uh, but can you give me some more context? Because it's like saying uh, strawberry cheese uh, sandwich <laughs> or meat and potatoes. 
Yes, meat and potatoes. <laughs> I didn't understand. You have to give it more context. Meat and potatoes are delicious. Okay. So I'm glad we cleared that one out. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy. Now, when I say nationalism, patriotism, we're all raised, at least in my country. See, it's my country. Yes. In my country, country yeah. I was raised to put the flag. There's Adore the flag. And put your hand over your heart. So yeah. it's like solemn vows. Yes. And recite. Which hand? Right hand over Do your heart. Do on what? Or the center of your chest. Center of your chest? Are you sure? Yeah. Not the left hand of your chest? Something like that. It's been a while, so. Okay. I know um, analytic overlays will be interpreting this. My analytic overlay says your heart's more like over here, and my uh, memory has over your left breast, things like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I think you put your hand over your left chest. Okay. Right hand. And anyway, you recite the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And you have this vision or this impression of your country as the last bastions of freedom and democracy and all that is right in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, generally speaking, you um, care about it as an entity mm -hmm. that you are a part of Yes. by the blessing of God being born there. Mm -hmm. And if you hadn't been born there, you would have been up the creek. Mm -hmm. I mean... You could have been born anywhere else and think how bad it would be. But you got lucky and you won the lottery and you got born here. Mm -hmm. So most countries probably have some form of that mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, thank God I got born here. This is the best place on the planet. Mm -hmm. How do those other people live? Mm -hmm. And then um, that's patriotism and nationalism. And that's ingrained into you from birth. Yes. Mostly. Mm -hmm. So there's a group on the planet at the same time who are, um, they think they're like, they call them things like United Nations or One World Government or Great Reset, that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And their plan is that if we get rid of nationalism, we will have um, a peace on the, on the planet. Mm. And it sounds logical. So they're processes to to create which is where it kind of starts to go sideways you know okay in order to create this you have to destroy the other right and how do you go about destroying the other how i don't know i'm asking oh i thought you knew how they were doing it well they have many tactics i'm sure some of them are in college and education and some of them are you know wars and attrition and making uh, nations dysfunctional, bankrupting mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. um, putting them in so much debt that they're unable to ever hopefully, ever recover from it. And so they're beholden to the one world, one thing, and they mm -hmm. must basically do what they're told, which is the same as not existing anymore because they've basically given up their sovereignty in a sense. Yeah. yeah. So basically all of the nations have to give up their sovereignty to another entity, which they have decided... The best way to go about is by putting the world in debt to themselves, mm -hmm. in debt to them, things like that. That's some of the process. Mm -hmm. But on the surface, when you look at it, you say, hey, no more wars, that'd be great. We've got to have a great big war to have no more wars. Hey, I've heard that story before. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work the first two times. Yeah. How's it going to work the next few times? Mm -hmm. So it puts you in a, a catch-22 position. And I agree that it might be chicken scratchy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, you feel, how, how am I supposed to respond to this contradiction? It's a contradiction that creates tension, actually. Mm -hmm. Because you want, you actually want your nationalism and your country to represent a new paradigm, a light of truth, justice, and fairness and all those kind of things as mm -hmm. light light workers that's what we want and you don't believe probably the other form of government where there's only one in control of everybody it's it doesn't actually feel like that's probably the right answer either right mm -hmm. because well <laughs> in the conspiracy world or in the um, world that truthers are in and things like that they they know the biggest enemy is one world government that's like the big 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 bad guy 
Mm-hmm. So neither one of them is okay. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So what do you do? That's the question. What? How do? You, what do you align yourself with? You don't. You don't align with either of them, or any type of energy that's divisive. You don't divide. You don't align with any energy that's divisive or separative. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> you allow them to have their game. I mean, that's their game. Every now and then, you can look at it if it's impinging in your life and say, oh, "Not over here. I'm not playing that game. Go away." Good plan. So. Occasionally you walk around uh, the grocery store or the ice dock or the boat or you go to a family dinner or you go to a place where you mingle with people whose frequencies are different. Mm-hmm. I guess light, dark. Their frequencies are and their desire for experiences. Yeah. You know, normal, basically what everybody's basically been doing for a while. Right. And they have conversations, and some of the conversations are about things like this, you know, nationalism, and this country's bad, and that country's good, and um, we need one, we need um, this, we need that. And you kind of know where the uh, trouble spots are in the conversation, but how, how, what kind of, how do you have that conversation? It's like... How many times do I find myself in that situation? Um... None. (laughs) As a person who stays sober during uh, social meetings, Mm -hmm. and as a person who has a broad spectrum of tools and information at your disposal to keep your frequency high Mm -hmm. and to embody the new paradigm, you're capable and able to change the dynamic and the frequency of any type of social conversation to be a high-frequency one. And if there's too many drunks in the room, actually it doesn't really matter what you talk about because they probably won't remember a thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you want to hang out with them, that's fine. If you don't want to hang out with them, you can leave. It doesn't really matter. If you were dreaming, let's say you were dreaming, okay? Yep. And there was a room full of people in your dream mm-hmm. and they were all having an argument about something. Would you bother to join the argument? If you knew you were dreaming? Well, I don't think I've encountered any arguments in my dreams. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit like what you just said. like, I don't have that experience, so I really can't comment on it too much. Exactly. But anybody here can relate to the the example. Yeah. Right? If you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming and there's something going on, you're not going to give it much attention because, you know, it's just a dream. Yep. And... Quite honestly, if you're going to, you know, get emotional or whatever, you really have to watch your frequency and not indulge and not get sucked into those type of situations because it's it's really not relevant to you, quite honestly. And you can always find and your allies and your good counsel, you can always find a way to be okay, no matter where you are. And I can say it with a good authority, mm-hmm. as I was a war child. So Yes, you were. You've been through <laughs> things that are going on to other people right now, yeah. multiples of times. Multiples of times. Multiples so. of times. So, yeah, it's, it's intended, obviously, to be engaging. Mm-hmm. It's intended to be good and attractive and interesting to pick side pick a who who's the good who's the bad there's the I'll, there's I'll the tell, light, light workers a, or what's yeah. the ones that the white white hats, white hats and this yeah. and that yeah no. yeah no. so what are you gonna tell me um it's just a little story okay. about how even if you're a child you can transform things and turn them around mm-hmm um, or even interpret it differently, right? Interpret things very differently. Totally, yeah. So there was a situation when I was a kid. Uh, we were in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, with my mom and some other people, 
And unfortunately, we had come from Chile to escape the uh, the right wing fascist uh, dictatorship there mm-hmm. that had attacked my family and put them into concentration camps and tortured them, stuff like that. And um, then there was a right wing di- fascist dictatorship in Argentina, mm-hmm. so we were in deep trouble, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Yeah, so it was it wasn't good, and there was a whole like orchestration of a very strange situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom took us, my brother, sister and I to the airport and she gave us instructions and I can't remember what on earth we were doing there, but she gave us some instructions and then she left with these people. She, they left, mm-hmm. right? And my sister interpreted the whole thing and the way she recalls it is my mom couldn't handle us she couldn't feed us so she abandoned us at the airport knowing that the authorities would take us and then we would be put in some sort of home where we would be fed so in her interpretation our mother abandoned us right right that was her interpretation i remember it was something else but maybe she was right she was older than me a lot older than me right so my brother sister and i were left in this car park in the airport by ourselves i was seven and a half eight years old (laughs) and my brother seven eight nine ten eleven twelve about 13 my sister six 16 17 i don't know something like that maybe everybody was younger actually i think Mm -hmm. everybody was actually younger i think my sister was 14 okay so my brother would have been uh 10-ish no no he they were very close in age uh maybe 13 maybe 12 something like that and I must have been seven or eight. We're in this airport. So my sister said, uh-oh, okay, we're in trouble. And what do we want to do? Uh, well, we want to go home, right? That's what we'd like to go. We want to go home back to our mother. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, how are we going to do that? Well, we're mm-hmm. children. We're kind of pretty children. You know, we have to be let's careful. That's right. Yeah. No, no, no. We, what we're going to do is we, we're going to... Use the authorities to take us home. Oh, okay. So, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the police, the the airport police, and we're going to cry and cry and cry, and we're going to tell them that we lost our mummy, we can't find her. And then we'll see what happens, and if they play along, then they're going to drive us home, which was about two hours away in a different town, the city. Or they're going to get hold of her somehow. Something's going to happen, but we're going to get home. Okay. Good plan. Good plan. So who's the best crier in the group? I suppose you were. Yes, I was excellent. (laughs) So anyways, we got there and I started crying my little eyes out, actually really big eyes out, and did all the puppy eyes on the planet, and I was desperately wanting my mummy, and we were were lost, because one of the things my sister said was, if we tell them uh, that our mum abandoned us, they will never take us back to her. And she's going to end up in jail. So we can't say that. Okay, we got lost. And we can't find her. Somehow. I can't remember the story, whole story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we, I cried and cried and cried. These people trying to calm us down. And, and, and eventually, at the end of the day, at around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, we were home. <laughs> and, you know... I don't know what happened with my mom or whatever, so what story she had to tell, you know. Well, I'm sure she, she had to come up with something. <laughs> she must have come up with something, but they left us there, right? So, in a way, even if you're a tiny little child or a group of tiny little children, if you're not in agreement with what's happening around you, and you don't actually fall for the victim-aggressor, because, Jesus, we were really beautiful kids, mm-hmm. and there's a thousand billion uh, aggressors out there, uh, predators, right? Probably, yeah. And if we'd been running one of those programs, we would have ended up, God knows where. Child right? slaves. Sla- child slaves somewhere. So um, we didn't. Mm-hmm. We ended up home that night. Okay? Mm-hmm. So anybody who says, you know, that children are total victims and they can't have any power over their environment or whatever so I can show you with my personal experiences that is not true even when you're a child you can actually um, figure things out to 
have a positive what the experience you want to have right and um the same thing that I've told before when I was in school there was a big depression there was no work the 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 unemployment levels were huge and yes I did try to get work when I came out of school and nobody would give me a job so what did I do at 17 I started my own company and I looked at where's the opportunities here what kind of organizations are growing? The governmental organizations were growing to take care of all the unemployed and all the minorities. That's where I got my 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 customers for my company. Mm-hmm. Right, I catered to those people. Literally, it was a catering company. <laughs> so at 17, still a child, I created a job for myself and for two other families. Or more, actually. I can't remember how many people I had employed. But that's just an example, mm-hmm. right? That even if you're, and if I, if a person, a child can do these things or a group of children can do these things, adults most certainly can figure it out, especially if they have good allies in life. And if they don't have a good allies, and if you're still subscribed to the lone wolf, you can still figure it out. You can still do it. Tap into it. But whatever you do, don't give your power away. Don't think that things are going to just be fixed because you have alien friends or you get taken into ships or whatever. Your responsibility is here. Their responsibility is out there. Right? They can't come in here and, you know, save you or whatever. Right? They can't do that. Anyways. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> oh, I was just listening. I heard strange chicken noises out there yeah we, i think we need to go and rescue a chicken yeah. i can hear a chicken is in trouble out there Already, i think we've basically covered everything we want to cover anyway i think so do you feel complete honey well the second hour you know notwithstanding <laughs> <laughs> second hour yeah i think the second hour we're going to be talking about our i y's and we y's yes our y's and we y's i y's and we y's and yes. if you don't know what they are you should probably get on to the second hour yeah because it's extremely relevant. It is, and interesting too. And, and related. And transform your life too. And transformative. Because nothing beats a strong why. Yeah. Okay. Love you, honey. Love you, darling.